Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I just got back from the scrimmage. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, basically, everybody who played well, and uh, also the people who didn't. Honestly, there weren't that many. Um, well, I guess it depends. On, well, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, but that's the plan for today. That's how we're going to wrap the week up. Uh, they actually changed the schedule for practice this week. So instead of Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, it's now Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, uh, which means we'll have a podcast Monday night once I get back from Boulder and finish writing and all that stuff. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, that's basically all we got. Time to dig in. So um, where do we, I really should have thought about where to start. I've got a bunch of notes. I mean, everybody wants to hear about Brendan Lewis. So let's start with Brendan Lewis. Um, he was obviously working with the number ones. JT was not out there during the scrimmage portion of the practice, as was expected. Um, we did get to see some of Maddox Cop, some of Drew Carter, some of James Mott. Um, Brendan, in a lot of ways, looked like him, his old self. He looked like his old self. Um the the one big difference is his arm seems to be quite a bit stronger. Um, and I'm not sure. It, it might just be that he's throwing tighter spirals, and so there's like less air resistance and, and whatever. But I do think that he is just putting more velocity on the ball. And again, that was one of the big complaints you have about him. Um, and when you know there was a play in the practice where Montana is running... Uh, some like a dig route or something. He's like 15 yards downfield, 20 yards downfield, and he like gets past the second hash mark. There's a gap in the zone. Brendan drives the ball through there, and and it's a nice completion. And that's the kind of throw that last year I'm not sure that Brendan has the arm to make. Um, you know, because because he does kind of live in the middle of the field, doing running those crossing routes, those sort of things. But they're typically pretty close to the line of scrimmage as well. Um, and he was pretty limited to that area, but. Um, I do think that that kind of range is expanding a little bit for him, and that's something that's definitely exciting to see. You know, I think that even during warm-ups when he's throwing balls next to JT, you look at it and say, like, okay, that's a, 
There is not nearly as much separation as there was before this. Um, It does seem like they are, you know, throwing the ball pretty similarly. Again, it's one practice, who knows, but that is kind of the big positive observation that I have. Uh, At the same time, you know, there was a, I think there was a three-play run, like a first down, a second down, a third down, where Brennan gets out of the pocket to the right, um, and I think the first one, he he had Jay Lee stacks. It was a little bootleg. He had Jay Lee kind of leaking out. They had a defender on his back. Could have thrown it to Jay Lee, and Jay Lee could have caught it and run. He would have caught it like five yards downfield and probably wouldn't have made it far with that defender right there behind him. Instead, Brendan decides not to throw the ball, runs it himself, picks up like five yards. Again, it it's a ball that you'd love to see him just throw. It's a ball that you would love to see him just throw. Um, but on that one, doesn't really bite you that much. Maybe you lose a couple yards. Maybe Jaylee doesn't catch the ball, though. And maybe Brendan misses the throw. Whatever. So not the end of the world. The next play, though, you know, it's the same thing. Kind of rolls out. He has an open receiver. And uh, it's it's like 12 yards downfield probably. Again, uh, kind of like a bootleg sort of deal. And... You know, he has to kind of. It would have been like a little bit of a touch throw past the defenders at the second level and drop it into him. And he decided not to throw it. Winds up throwing the ball away. So now you're on a third and five, and it's another one where he rolls out of the pocket to the right, and he has Montana's running something deep downfield, but he's on that right sideline, and Montana kind of works back toward him on the sideline. And I thought he had plenty of separation to get that ball in, but again, it's a throwaway. So again, that that was the big complaint before uh, was that he he wasn't. Well, he wasn't throwing the ball to his receivers, wasn't giving guys a chance to make plays, and there were definitely stretches of that today. And and I think that that's probably the worst news that comes out of this. Uh, I think he was still probably just uh, too conservative. I think that there were probably some more plays that he could have made. Um, but at the same time, he did make some plays. Um, he, he hit a nice fade route to Montana early on. Um, he he hit a he hit a deep ball to Daniel Arias, 44 yards downfield. He kind of jumped past two defenders, brought it in at the one yard line, and Deion Smith finished it off. Um, so, you know, there's there's definitely things that you like from what happened today, but there's also a lot that makes you think like, oh, is this really all that different? Um, and I think it's also worth noting, you know, this is probably the other bad news from the day. The offensive line got beat. The defensive line beat the offensive line. And, you know, I can't get into the schematics all that much. You know, I can't I can't tell you guys, like, what they were running, what formations, what plays, that sort of thing. But I can say that there was one play where there's, like, a tight end that leaks out from the right. or might have even been, like, a little crackback block. Um, the, it's a play action where that tight end is lined up on the right, comes back across to clean somebody up, and there's just an edge rusher that runs free over there. And it's like, well, your right tackle, Frank Phillip, you know, that's his responsibility. And I don't know if it's like a communication issue, whether the center didn't call out and say like, hey, you know, here's here's how this is going to go. But on that play, when you don't have that tight end blocking, like to, to just let that guy run free and hit the quarterback, which, I mean, they're not allowed to actually hit the quarterback, but it was it was called a sack. Um, you can't have that. And and that, w- that happened a couple times, specifically from the right side, where there were just rushers who came in unaccounted for, and there, there were plenty of plays. I mean, the running game didn't work all that well. Um, we, we didn't get stats from this. We'll get stats for the spring game, but we didn't get stats for this. But I do know that like they track the stats for CU um, like for their own use. And at one point, Deion Smith had six carries for zero yards. 
and a, t- a touchdown in there too, that one yard touchdown. And and I thought, you know, I can't say like Dion played well. I think that that touchdown run, there was there was a linebacker in the hole, and Dion took him head on. It was a loud crack, and and Dion knocked him backward and got in. And that's the kind of stuff that Dion lacks, right? You know, if you talk about Dion, it's the speed that really stands out, and speed that probably would look really good in this kind of outside zone scheme. Um, but can he be physical enough between the tackles? And we we saw some of that today for sure. Um, but still, again, six carries, zero yards. It was a sign of the defensive line beating the offensive line. And and what sucks is, you know, this is we get to see CU twice this spring, right? So of the 15 practices, we get to see two of them. And when in the first practice, you see the offensive line get beat up like that. It's a this is all we have to go off of. And so it'd be, it would be nice if I could say like, hey, I've seen these practices and, and it's not usually like this. Like typically the, it's more of a fair fight. Typically it comes out closer to 50-50. But since I haven't seen any practices, all I can say is, yeah, that defensive line is steps better than this offensive line is right now. And again, Kyle Devan, this is the seventh practice that he's had. And I think I included the audio on the podcast at one point of him basically explaining like, First, we got to talk about the fundamentals of blocking. You know, if, if this guy is standing right here, how do you block him? And you, you, you put this hand here, that hand, and then that sort of stuff. So they work work on that stuff first and then start to worry about the big picture. Here's where they're coming from. Here's how we go about blocking this sort of rush, whatever. Um, and because of that, I, I think, you know, when you see things like free rushers off the edge of the defense, you think, well... I guess they probably haven't hit that lesson yet, uh, but it's one that they need to hit at some point, though, right? Like, I can't say, like, oh, everything's fine because there's still plenty more practices, but the truth is there are plenty more practices and they could figure it out, and and I do think that Kyle Devan is a, a solid coach and, and we'll just have to see what happens. In general, though, again, like, the, the defensive line did beat the offensive line, and it was pretty clear. It, it, I think, like I said, you usually want that to be, like, 50-50. It was probably, like, 75-25 today, and that's uh, that's too bad. Uh, again, you have Jalen Sami out there. You have Terrence Lang. Big day from Terrence Lang. Um, I think I think probably the highlight play. He's he's lined up. Um, I think I think it was a guard. I think it might have been Casey. Honestly, I could be wrong about that. Um, no, it wasn't Casey because it was against the the second team offense, I believe. Um, but he uh, he hits the guard. It's passing play. Pushes him back and back and back, and then reaches his arm up and blocks the pass. Like just about puts the lineman in the quarterback's lap, and again, like it's Terrence Lang, and, and he's. I think there's a good chance that he is an All Pac-12 player this year, but you know, you're you're going to be playing other All Pac-12 players this year, and you can't let them all just kind of beat you up like that. So, yeah, and the, the there was essentially no running game, um, essentially no running game. The defense basically shut down the running game. I think the passing game, mostly because of the improvement in Brandon's arm, and I do think like he got maybe a, a little bit better with the decision making. Like he does seem to have just a little bit more poise back there. Um, but uh, you know what it really is? I think the big difference in that passing game is probably just having those tight ends. You know, we didn't have Brady Russell out there today. We did get to see Eric Olson and Austin Smith though, and they both played really well. And, and there's Simple things like you, you see a cover three defense and you know your receiver is breaking out 
you know that your tight end right there is going to break out. Well, guess what? That that receiver is going to take your, your defender who's responsible for that outside portion of the field underneath. And, and then there's a linebacker who is going to be giving up that outside leverage to the tight end who's breaking outside and, and, and isn't going to be you know, waiting for that route to break, isn't in position to make a play on the ball. And I think we saw Brendan make some of those quick reads where it's like, okay, here's what this defense is doing. Here's where I have leverage. I can snap it, grab it, and then just pound that rock right in there and and pick up five yards minimum. Maybe, maybe the receiver makes a play, tight end makes a play. So I do think that just the usage of those tight ends, and, and I think just the scheme in general, I guess that's probably more than anything why the, the offense was moving the ball better today than it did last season. Um, just the play calling. And again, I can't get into the details, but just just simple concepts. Simple concepts. You know, get get all, all of your receivers to kind of clear out one side of the field, sneak a tight end or running back in behind them. You know, stuff like that that is just so simple. Where, who knows, maybe they botch the coverage and they sit down on whatever's happening underneath. But that just means you have somebody wide open downfield. And that is very rare, typically, to have. And so I do think that you just look through what they did. And, and I can say they used a variety of formations. Um, and I think they were really fun formations, too, if I'm being honest. Like, it's a lot of stuff that I look at and think, like, yeah, if I ran an offense, I'd want to do a bunch of stuff like this. And uh, I, I that also helps. Again, I mean, it, when we talk about, you know, you, you see kind of what this coverage is, you, you see how they're lining up, you know what should be there right after the snap. Well, guess what? One of the things that Brendan has been very vocal about is that the he knows where to go with the ball. He knows where to go with the ball. Like, they're teaching him, like, okay, if this happens, you, you see this coverage, do this. And that, that play where you just hit, I, 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 there were a few of them. Um, I think that one was Austin Smith. Um, but that's because you know what is happening and you can just pound that ball in there because you know what the defense is going to do. You just pick up what you got in front of you and then go ahead. And I, like I said, you kind of, we kind of started by saying there was more out there. There probably were some more of those gains that were given to you that just passed up because you weren't aggressive enough, and that needs to change. And until it does... You know, there's there's going to be a ceiling on what this offense can do because if you have open receivers, you can't afford to not get them the ball. Like, that's just the, the bottom line. Um, so, again, I do think schematically they were getting more guys open, in particular those tight ends. Like like I said, you know, we, we kind of saw what these coaches have been talking about, that Eric Olsen can catch a bunch of passes. And, and I think that, you know, we hadn't seen him play. We'd seen him play high school football, but it's so hard to watch somebody play high school football and then say, here's here's exactly what he looks like on a Pac-12 football team. Um, but but just to see how big he looks and understand that, like, okay, this is the type of tight end that he is. He's a really big guy. He looks like a, a, a Gronk type out there almost. Not quite, but obviously in, like, the Pac-12 world, sort of. Um, there, there was one play... That I think I think they posted the video on social media. It's definitely on Instagram. It might be on Twitter too. But um, it's uh they're in the red zone. It's a second and fourteen from like the twenty four. So I guess maybe it started as like a red zone drill, but then they got bumped back. This I think it was. I think that's right. Um, but he uh, Eric catches the ball in like the left hash, moving to the left, right. So he catches it and he's going to the short side of the field there. 
Um, he's catching it maybe a yard past the line of scrimmage. It's a really short throw. And there's a defender right behind him, and the defender jumps on his back, and he just brushes him off, just brushes him off easily. You know, you see that pass get completed, and you think, well, Brendan, why are you throwing that ball? Like, <laughs> surely there's a better option, right, than a contested throw that could pick up one yard on second and 14. Um, but then immediately you see him brush off that tackler, run and pick up the first down, and you're like, oh, okay, that's why you just feed Eric Olson there. And I think that for a quarterback like Brendan, who, again, wants to live in the middle of the field, wants to throw these balls pretty close to the line of scrimmage, having a weapon like that is very valuable, and it fits his game very well. You know, it, it's not like you're going out there, like a Daniel Arias, you know, you, you look at Daniel Arias and say, like, ah, is that the perfect receiver for Brendan Lewis? No, because Brendan doesn't want to be throwing deep ball after deep ball after deep ball. And we'll get to Daniel Arias. He had a really good day. But, you know, just, just these tight ends, slot receivers. I think R.J. Sneed could wind up being that, that sort of slot guy who can really help Brendan. But I think just having these tight ends, understanding how to incorporate them into an offense – Again, just easy completions. Just get those easy completions, and those are so, so, so valuable over the course of a football game. Um, and still, the biggest complaint is that there's more of those out there that Brendan... I, I think he sees them. I think he just isn't quite willing to put the ball in danger to go after them. Again, that needs to change. That needs to change. Um, yeah, so... I guess I should also say Austin Smith, he's doing the same thing. And again, I can't get into some of the specifics, but what I can say is that he has a very special kind of versatility. Um, I don't know what he is as a blocker. I think I only noticed once that they ran behind him. And, and actually what it was, it was kind of one of those Brady Russell plays. Line him up at tight end, have him like kind of cut back into the middle and clean somebody up in there, and then it opens up a running lane for the running back, almost almost like a trap run, almost like they're letting somebody through for him to go hit so that the lineman can get one more linebacker inside. Um, but the, the the one time that I really locked in on him blocking and, and he wound up being a, a key part of a running play, it was a good block. It was a solid block. And, and again, the sample size here is very, very small. It's literally one play, but... It's what you want to see because if he can do that and you can flex him out into the slot and provide those different looks, like just imagine three receivers to one side and, and he's one of them. Like all of a sudden the defense has to account for that in such a special way because he is that sort of athlete. Um, he uh, there, there was one play, it was kind of like one of those plays that we talk about with Brady. Kinda, I'm not sure if it was schemed up or if it was backyard football, but he goes to block. Um, Drew Carter rolls out behind him. And, and then he just kind of lets the guy go. Guy thinks he has a, a, a sack. And Drew just drops the ball right over the top to, to um, Austin. And Austin brings it up the sideline for 19 yards. And so you just see that sort of stuff and the fact that these tight ends can make plays. And I think, obviously, Brady can do this stuff too. But to have options, to have guys you can move around, um, there's, there's a lot more options in this offense and I think that this is an offense that could be very creative under the, the direction of, you know, Mike Sanford and all those guys. But I, I think also afterward, one of the things that Carl Durrell said was that this was a pretty vanilla offensive game plan. He said, you know, it's a public scrimmage. We don't want too much out there. But so we kept things kind of vanilla. 
And I heard that and just thought, whew, if this is vanilla, like, <laughs> the, what what is, like, the, the chocolate or whatever the, the upgrade from vanilla is? Because, again, like, the standards are pretty low, right, coming out of that offense from last year. But, but you did see them do some different things. You saw a whole bunch of different formations they're willing to use. And so, again, we'll, we still have to wait and see what this whole finished product looks like. But I think in broad terms, that offense, I really like what they're doing. Again, I wish I could be more specific about the formations they're running. And, and you know, I, I guess if I say any more, I'm telling you what's happening. But uh, it, was, uh, it was really impressive stuff I thought it was, it was it looked like it could be a lot of fun um let's just keep going we'll hit some ads in a second but Jay Lee Stacks got a lot of work you know Alex Fontenot wasn't out there we didn't know that he was banged up but uh they they were kind of left with very few options you know I mentioned Dion Smith Jay Lee Stacks was also getting some run with the number ones you have Charlie Offerdahl out there the walk-on um Noah Wagner another walk-on I didn't realize he was that big He's like six foot four, which is wild for a running back. Um, but the point is, they didn't have many options. But Jay Lee, he did some good things. You know, they they he 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 looked good as a runner. You know, he's so physical as a runner. Like he's always falling forward. It's you know, I think a pretty valuable piece of the offense to have somebody as versatile as he is. You know, he can run the ball. He can obviously block. He can. You can catch the ball if Brendan would have thrown it to him on that play, but I do think that there was a, it was a good day for Jay Lee, and I do think that we're actually going to see quite a bit of him this year. Because again, like you talk about Austin Smith as being kind of that chess piece, like what is he? Is he a receiver? Is he a tight end? I don't know. How do you defend him? Like you, you, you should be able to find some advantages there. Um, but I think that a lot of those same advantages, I mean, not the same, but similar, right? Because it's a little bit different role. Um, Jay Lee Stacks can do a bunch of different things. You know, if you want to line him up at fullback, you can line him up at fullback. You want to you want to line him up in the backfield, you can put him in the backfield. Like, the fact that he can block, he can run, he can catch, just that, that level of versatility makes it really tough to account for him if, if you're the defense. Um, and I think that... What, what makes it even better is, you know, we talked about this a little bit with Brady Russell a couple weeks ago, but, you know, if if you want, if, you're, if your offensive line is getting beat, well, keep an extra guy in. Keep Brady Russell there. And and if it turns out you don't need him or the pressure's getting there anyway, let him leak out and see if the quarterback can give him the ball and see if he can run and pick up at least a few yards, salvage something from the play. And I think that you talk about that with Brady Russell, it's exactly the same with Jay Lee Stacks. You know, you want to keep him in and let him block, Keep him in, let him pass protect, and if he wants to leak out, you know, the, the receivers are going deep and everybody's kind of overcommitted back there, have him leak out, get him the ball, and who knows, he could probably go break a tackle too if it's one-on-one. So I, uh, I'm i I'm very excited about him as well. Uh, yeah. Um, you know what? Let's just, let's just kind of run through this whole offense. I think the defense, I probably don't have quite as many notes, um, but... I, uh, eh, there's some fun notes. There's definitely some fun notes now that I think of it. Um, let's see. I took such bad notes. Cause again, like you, you can't miss anything. It's terrifying to miss something because you don't get it back. You know, there's plays where, you know, like that Austin Smith blocking play, you know, how many plays did I miss? Because I was watching Austin Smith saying like, please block, please block, please block. 
It's like, okay, here's another route. Good-looking little route there, I guess. Please block. I want to just see what happens when you try to block. And then the one time I saw him block, I didn't see who he blocked. It's like, wait, did he just... If he just did that to Terrence Lang, well, guess what? We can uh, we can start the hype train going. If he just did it to some third string who's subbing in because somebody's hurt, like, oh, okay, let's let's see what happens when you get out there and it's your turn to block Kayvon Thibodeau out in the edge. Um, but yeah, the point is, these notes, there's like five words after a play. And it's like, okay, I got to remember what happens there. Um, but I guess we can just start at the top and we'll just hit the offensive ones and come back through for the defense. Uh, there were some penalties. It was not clean for the offense in that way. Um, probably three false starts that I remember off the top of my head, maybe four. Um, obviously not an offense that's built to overcome that. I mean, it, it is built to. You just need the guys to go do it. I think that this is an offense that is more than capable of picking up big chunks of yards, but you need them to do it. And they did it occasionally, I should say that. Um, RJ Sneed. He uh, he had a nice little catch and run early on. Um, just caught a ball underneath, made some guys miss, uh, changed some angles on some defenders, picked up an easy first down. I'm really excited about him. I honestly didn't see all that much from him um, outside of that, though. Not off the top of my head, at least. Um, see, like this one. O-Lawn with short catch, no first down. Who Olsen. That was supposed to be Olsen. Um, but, uh, yeah, underneath throw... Um, Again, there were a lot of those to these tight ends. And just to have those safety valves, because you guys remember how many plays that you looked at and said, oh, why didn't Brendan just throw that ball to him? It's like, ah, it's another throwaway. Or, or that sort of stuff. Well, if there's somebody open 10 yards downfield, and across the middle of the field, gap in the zone, whatever, and Brendan's like, oh, no, I, I missed my window. I'm not going to throw this guy. I'm not going to force it. Well, guess what? It's really freaking nice to have a tight end who's sitting right in front of him. It's like, well, I guess I can just dump it off to this guy and he'll go. So I, I think that that's uh, those short catches are exactly what we need. Exactly what we need to be seeing. Um, maybe not on third downs, but whatever. Uh, let's see. That was a schematic note. Um, some some missed passes from Drew Carter on his first drive for sure. Um Boo, 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 boo. Uh, there's Jaylee. Um, maybe we got through most of this. I thought there would be more in here that we haven't hit. Um, there's, yeah, Austin Smith in the slot when he reads the cover three. Oh, yeah, uh, I guess I can't say that either. That's also schematic. Um, um, there's the misprotection from Frank. There were a couple of those. I mean, you, putting it on Frank is like, it's just so easy to see, right? Because if, it, if your tackle gets beat, well, guess what? It looks like somebody just coming free off the edge of the defense. When there's pressure up the middle, it's tough to say like, oh, that was the center. Oh, that was the guard. Or, or You know? And so when somebody comes free off the edge, it's like, oh, yep, tackle should have had him. That's the widest guy. That's your widest blocker. It's a simple equation. Um, so I don't want to make it sound like I'm harping on Frank at all. Um, it's just that those are, those are really easy to see when you're looking downfield and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, what just happened? Oh, look, there's this uh, man running all alone from the – far side of the defense um oh ashton logan didn't didn't have like a booming leg for sure he's the new punter um he's he's going to be the punter this season uh there were there were a couple decent ones like there was one that was 55 in the air but there's like a 18 yard snap 15 no not 18 15 yard snap maybe maybe even less than that i don't know how far punters snap the ball or get long snappers i guess were the ones who snapped the ball but uh, you'd like to see those go up, right? Because if that's a 40-yard punt, 
Um, you you want to see at least like 44, 45 yards. But again, it's still early. It's still spring. We'll see. Um, ooh, Jack Estera. So Jack Jack Estera, he is one of those receivers who's gotten a bunch more reps because so many receivers are hurt. Uh, he's a walk on. I think he's a he's probably a red red shirt freshman now. Um, he, he's gotten a little bit of hype, uh, profile as well as a slot receiver. He had a nice move in the slot, just a little zig route. I think, I think it was man coverage. It might've been some sort of like cover three though. Um, but, um, he, you know, takes a step up, face a little slot slant, steps back outside. He's open. I think that was his only catch on the day, but it, it was a little play where you look at it. And it's like, Oh, okay. I see what he does now. You know, you, you hear people say, like, yeah, Jack Hestera looks good in camp. It's like, okay, Jack Hestera looks good in camp. I have no idea what that looks like. Is he is he catching deep balls? Is he running posts? Is he is he like a screen pass guy? And that's like, okay, there's there's kind of what he does. If somebody says Jack Hestera is doing really well, he's probably shaking up defenders in the slot, getting open, and potentially running after the catch. Um a drop from Noah Wagner. That's not all that notable. Um, there's one note that just says Terrence Lang, Quinn Perry, and uh, Kai Thomas all in the backfield. That's a fun one. Um, yeah, I think that that's basically all of it. Oh, I guess I could say uh, Nico Reed. He did. I guess we can make this a defensive note, but he dropped a punt at one point. Let's we'll get into Nico Reed in a second because there's a lot to talk about with Nico Reed. Real quick though, you guys need to get your hands on. Wanas. So here's the deal. I just realized I screwed up yesterday. Um, because you'll remember that on Wednesday, I've totally forgot that there was a podcast on Friday. And so I did all of the fourth podcast of the week ads. And then yesterday I was supposed to go back and do the third, but I actually did the fifth. Point is, we're not talking about Wana, although it is great stuff. We're talking about Breckenridge Brewery, my favorite brewery. Um, I'm actually going to go drink some beers tonight. Uh, there's a there's a bowling place. It's I so I was gonna say like a bowling place where you can actually drink beers, and I was like, well, wait, that's all bowling. I guess this is just kind of like hipster, you know. I think that like they have like exposed piping up on the ceiling, and like they have their 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 lettering is like the the name. They have like. It kind of hanging down from the ceiling. There's like light bulbs inside each other. There's like six light bulbs inside like the B for bowling. And they all, you know, it's a very like modern place. Not, I actually kind of like the griminess of bowling. I don't like that new style. thing. Point is, hopefully they have Breckenridge beers because I would like some of those. Actually, the Rockies tickets got super expensive and that's how we wound up going bowling. I'm not a bowler. I'm seriously not a bowler. It's just not, it's just not for me. It's not for me. And it's not that I'm bad at it. Like, I guess I get bad at it when I lose interest. But that's the thing is I just lose interest so quickly. Where it's like, okay, I'm going to throw this ball down there again. Guess what? I got nine of them again. Okay, let's see. Can't we just... Can't we drink while just watching? Some, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, point is, hopefully they have some Breckenridge beers. Hopefully I can blame any poor performances on Breckenridge beers. And I... Uh, you know, I just... They're, they're, they're the best stuff. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I guess... I'll have a little bit of writing to do still. The master's on. I guess maybe no beers tomorrow either. It's supposed to be colder tomorrow too. That's the thing. I just want to get to one of these Rockies games when it's nice and warm. Get a little sunburn going to, to kind of ease the way into summer. But 
It is what it is, and Breckenridge Brewery is the best, so make sure you drink all their beers. The Broncos, Broncos Country Hoppy Pale Ale is incredibly good. It has a little bit more of that like beer flavor to it, which is why I don't drink it all that often. You know, I'm a big strawberry sky type of guy, but for those of you who have handed a can that says strawberry, strawberry on it, you'd just be like, well, look at me. Look, I have, a, I have hair on my chest, whatever, which someday I will too. Um, this might be your beer, the Broncos Country Hoppy Pale Ale. I guess the hoppy kind of, it's IPA-ish, but not an IPA, just, just kind of hoppy. Wait, hoppy pale ale, India pale ale is IPA. wonder if HPA is a thing. I don't know. But you know what goes great with Breckenridge beers? Sexy pizza. Uh, they have so many locations. I think five or six locations now in Denver. So wherever you are, there's something close to you. It's uh, it's really good pizza. It's deck oven pizza. It's hand tossed. Um, they they make their dough from scratch every morning. It's the best ingredients. It's really really good pizza. Um, I think that in terms of like, I like their like just whole pies. I'm actually not sure if they sell pizza by a slice. I've never tried. But but when they when you just get one of those big pizzas, there's a it's just the way it looks in the box. You're just like, yeah, this is going to be a really good pizza, and then it is. Um, it, it can come with a gluten free crust. There's vegan options. There's all sorts of awesome stuff, and uh, you just cannot go wrong with sexy pizza. So make sure that you get your hands on some of that too, uh, just like you're going to be drinking these Breckenridge beers. All right, into the defense, and. Um, I guess I can't get into the schematics of it all. Um, even in broad terms, I probably shouldn't. But what I'll say is it it looks a little complex. Like, I I can tell you that when I was looking out there and thought I saw what the defense was going to do, a lot of the time I was wrong. Like, and I was sitting next to Justin Guerrero, too, and I'd be like, oh, look, this, this man across the board, look, that linebacker's got to be going. And then it's like, oh, that is not what happened at all. So I do think that although I can't get into what exactly was happening. And to be honest, I don't exactly know. Like, I didn't lock in enough to, to say, like, oh, this is this is what they're running out there. But what I can say is that it, it, do, it is not a simple defense. It isn't one where they're just, like, lining up and saying, like, okay, here's here's what's happening. And because of that, I, I, I don't know. I, that's a good thing because they, they handled it well. Um, when you run some sort of defense like that, if especially with all these freshmen out there, it would be easy for them to be making some mistakes. And the fact that they're not is a very good sign. Um, let's start with Josh Wiggins because it's honestly kind of crazy that we haven't talked about Josh Wiggins yet in this podcast. Uh, if you saw what I wrote about the game, I wrote like 1,700 words on basically all the standouts. And I picked like five guys and added a few honorable mentions there at the end. But... Josh Wiggins to me was the standout of the day. Um, he, for those who don't know, he is a, an early enrollee. So he's going to be a true freshman this season, but graduated at semester. So with like three and a half years in high school, came up to Boulder early and boy, did he look good. There were a couple plays that you look at and just say, wow, wow. Um, I think the first one was a, not a full on wow play. It was uh I, I and again, I wasn't looking at this part of the field, and so I'm not sure exactly how it started, but I think he was in man coverage against a tight end, Austin Smith. It might have actually been somebody else in coverage, and he was kind of like, he had like that deep third, and so he kind of came across to help, but I saw late, so I can't tell you for sure. Point is, it looked like an easy 20-yard touchdown. Like it was a post route, 
Austin's about to break in, ball's in the air. But as soon as the ball's in the air, Josh just comes flying out of nowhere, knocks the ball away. It was really impressive. It was really impressive. Um, Especially when you remember that when you talk about freshman cornerbacks, usually the, the, the last piece of the development is the ball skills. So getting in position. You know, first of all, just having the tools, being fast enough, being strong enough to stick right with a guy, um, understanding the route concepts. I guess that can come a little bit later on too. But the it seems like with young cornerbacks, there's a lot of time where you're like, oh, look at him, look at this, look at this, and then the receiver just makes the catch anyway because he never turns his head around or or whatever. Um, for Josh Wiggins to be showing up and and making those plays, that's really exciting. That's really exciting because he did it again later too. And, and the next one was actually my favorite. And this is another one where there's a video up um, on, the, on the CU football Instagram. They might have put it on Twitter, too, if they have. I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I think, third and seven. And it's uh, either like a hitch or a comeback. It's pro- a, I guess comeback implies like outside break, I think, whereas a hitch or like a curl would be an inside and I'm pretty sure it was an outside break. So we'll call it a comeback. But again, it was kind of run more like a hitch. So so I guess that's the kind of twist of I'm not sure which one to call it. Um, but it's like I said, third and seven. He's he's in man coverage on Montana Lamonius Craig. He, uh, he kind of drops back, drops back. And then as soon as the ball's in the air, just breaks downhill hard and, and knocks that ball out and then gets up and kind of flexes over him. And you just love that kind of energy from a freshman. So I do think that it was a really big day. And I guess along with that, you have to add, CU's offense scored two touchdowns today. One of them was a passing touchdown, and and that was to Daniel Arias. Did we talk about this? I don't remember talking about this. No, we haven't. Well, let's let's expand on this conversation here. But um, just like a rollout, 14, 15 yards away, whatever, he winds up. Brendan hits Daniel Arias, who, who's been able to gain some separation on Wiggins. So it wasn't a perfect day, uh, but there was a lot to like, and those PBUs really did stand out. Those were loud defensive plays, and uh, it's impressive stuff. There was also, similar to that touchdown, a, a, a play probably five minutes earlier. I mean, again, they're lined up. They're in the red zone. Probably, I think the, the first one was like 20 yards away, and... It's the same thing. You know, it's a bootleg out to the right off a of play action. You wind up, I'm not sure who was supposed to be in coverage with Daniel, but it looks wide open. It looks wide open. And Brendan throws the ball, and it was actually Jordan Wolverton who, who made like this diving pass breakup. He, he looked like a cat out there. Like he had no business, and he actually had another pass breakup earlier in the day as well. Um, Jordan Wolverton, by the way, again, maybe a name you don't know. If you don't know it, it's because he was a quarterback last year, a walk-on quarterback. I think he was actually number three on the depth chart behind uh, uh, Brendan Lewis and then Drew Carter because they only had the two healthy scholarship quarterbacks. He flipped over to safety, and like I said, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure what he is as a tackler or as a run defender, but... What I can say is that he made a couple of plays in coverage. And again, like we see two practices this spring. We will wind up reading a lot into those practices. And that is probably wrong, but what do you want, right? And and to see Jordan Wolverton make those plays, it's easy to say like, okay, I think there's a chance. There's a chance that this might actually work out for him. Um, a walk-on quarterback who flipped to safety. Um, 
I uh, I'll also add that uh, there was no Isaiah Lewis out there. I th- there were there were a lot of veterans who weren't really practicing. Like they'd have the blue jerseys on. Isaiah Lewis didn't even have the blue jersey, but but a lot of those guys, um, like Brady Russell, didn't do all that much. I um, mean, again, they're just keeping him healthy. They want to see the young tight ends. Whatever. I'm not worried about Brady. Never never worry about Brady. I think that's a good rule. But um, there were some other of those guys that that weren't full participants, um, and that meant that these safeties who are already kind of short on depth, right? They they all got a lot of run. You know, Anthony Lyle a senior walk-on, he could be somebody who winds up factoring into this rotation. I wouldn't be all that surprised if he's out there. Um, you know, Trevor Woods is out there quite a bit. Um, I uh, Actually, here's another fun one. Here's a fun one. Torin Pittman was playing cornerback. And this is something that we've talked about a little bit on this podcast, but I believe he was a cornerback recruit, flipped to safety, but now he was out there playing cornerback, um, had a had a really nice tackle on a, an, a kind of an outside zone run to his side, like a stretch run to his side. Um, you know, receiver trying to block him. He tosses the receiver. The tackle comes like four or five yards downfield, but still the ability to shed that tackle, go up, make, it, make a nice clean tackle, shed that block, get up and clean, make a nice clean tackle. There we go. Um, again, it's what you expect from a really big safety who flipped back to corner. And I'm not I'm not going to sleep on him at corner either, especially when you look at the guys that CU has. You know, we didn't talk about Nico Reed yet. No, we talked about Josh Wiggins, um, but uh, Nico Reed, Kalen Moore, like those are those are smaller cornerbacks. Um, even Nigel Bethel, at like six feet tall, it's not like he's a big dude. Um, so having some size out there, who knows? Maybe if if the competition's close enough, if you wind up going into the season saying like, yeah, you know. I think I think Kalen's a little bit better than Torin. Uh, I think Kalen's number one. And if something happens, well, then maybe in that situation, if you play a big receiver like Drake London, you say like, okay, let's for the for this game, we're actually we're gonna throw Torin Pittman out there and see what he can do against him. And I think that that is well within the realm of possibility. Um, again, the defense in general just played well. Uh, they gave up two touchdowns. Two touchdowns, and I don't know how many drives it was, but that's a it's a, it was a solid performance. They definitely won. Again, that's not what we want to see, right? We're not worried about the defense. It's just what can this offense do? I guess when you're down, probably your two starting running backs because Raymond Jefferson still isn't on campus. Plus, you're missing those receivers. Plus, this offensive line has a few practices. Like again, it's not the end of the world. You might be missing your starting quarterback too. We'll see. Um, I think, I think we probably should have expected the defense to win and the defense won. Um, and if it's so hard to say by how much, right? Because only the offense can really score. Um, but if this was just like a normal football game, just to give you guys like an idea of the balance, I'd say it was like a thirty-one seventeen game. You know, when obviously like the defense can't score points, but if you were to watch it, you'd get thirty-one to seventeen vibes. Um, continuing on with these DBs, though. Kalen Moore, also, or sorry, Nico Reed also had a really good day. Um, he he actually had a nice pass breakup right at the beginning. It was maybe the second or third play of the scrimmage, and he's out there one-on-one coverage with Montana, and it's a, I think it was like a shallow post. He, I think he was too deep for it to be a slant because he was a few steps downfield. Um, more Maybe more than a few steps, but 
it's one-on-one coverage. He's out on an island over there. I don't even think they had a slot receiver to that side. So it's really just those two out there going at it on that side of the field. Uh, and Nico broke on the ball perfectly, broke it up, and it's, you know, a good pass breakup is fun to watch. You know, I was just going back through some Aqib Tlaib highlights a few days ago just because I the Broncos are going to be good again. And last time they were good, Aqib Tlaib was like, Honestly, pretty close to their best player, which is wild to think about. Um, but just watching the way he plays the middle of the field, where he keeps a hand on the guy's back, he's a step behind him, and when the time comes, he kind of uses that hand, not to like grab or anything, but just as, like to keep his balance when it's time to like dive and kind of roll over with that front hand. Um, but again, going back and watching all that, you, you really get a, an appreciation for these breakups. And, and then you go and watch Nico Reed make that play, and you think, like, oh, wow, that really was textbook, wasn't it? Like, that that was just the way it's supposed to be. Um, so, big play there. Some good returns from Nico as well. Um, a really, really solid day for Nico. Um, and, and most of this defense. Um, who else do we need to talk about? We already talked about Terrence Lang. Um, the defensive line in general. I think you could say good things about, you know, Jalen Sami's out there doing his thing. Um, I didn't notice Niam Rodman. I'd guess that he was valuable inside like just like he always is um Alvin Williams the linebacker made some good plays I thought Quinn Perry was pretty solid as well I saw quite a bit I thought of Robert Barnes and again just you just look at him you're like okay that's a good football player now you do need to see production here this season from him but you just look at him and say like okay yeah that's a big dude he can tackle in there he we know he can cover especially that man coverage how many times we can say it but you put him in man coverage on a running back, you're in really good shape. Um, very solid day. Guy Thomas made some plays. Guy Thomas, like, he's just so big, right? Like, that's something that I don't think we talk about enough is just, like, the size. You know, he's one of those guys who it's like, yeah, you want to go to the NFL? Well, you check that box, and, and a lot of times that's the most important box. Um, but just seeing him out there, I think there's a real chance that he could just be – I think that he could wreck some games, I think that he could really be a force that, you know, you you wind up seeing the Buffs win 17-13. You think back and it's like, who's the best player? Guy Thomas was probably the best player in that game. Um, so he, again, was loud. I don't have many specifics, but he was getting in the backfield pretty often. A lot of those pressures. Um, yeah, let me make sure there's nothing else in the notes. I think we kind of covered all of it. Nico Reed, Josh Wiggins. Yeah. Um, I think we did. We talked about Montana. Yeah, we little fade route. We talked about Daniel Arias. Those two plays in the end zone, the one deep ball. Um. Yeah, I think okay. So we made it through all the notes. I I honestly don't have all that much that I want to say. What I will say is this. I uh. I expected more from the offense. No. Yeah, I did. I'll say this. I did expect more from the offense. I expected just a little bit more. Like, give me two more first downs and we're right on the money. At the same time, in hindsight, you know, you look back and say, like, why did I expect that? Like, that, that's on me. You know, the, the idea that they would be that much better than they were after six more practices is kind of bold. Um, but they did at least look... They were, they were so close to just being functional. You just need a little bit more to say, like, okay, functional. And, and that's kind of the baseline this year, right? Because if you're just a functional offense, you have that defense, 
I think that there's a good chance that you can go out there and win minimum three, four games. Does that, Do you need a little bit more than functional to get to a bowl game? Probably. Probably, unless this defense really is that good. You probably need more than functional, but functional is a big step up from last year, and they are so close to functional. Um, it, it, it could have been so easy. You know, I think that there's there's so many different ways that they could get to that bar. Um, just, to, just in today's practice, you know, I think back and say, there, there was that three three play series where Brendan doesn't throw the ball when he probably should have, although that first one's probably pretty debatable. Um, if he just throws the ball in those three plays, then I'm sitting here saying, yeah, it was a good day for the offense. Um, so that would have been functional. You know, if, if you think back to like just those pressures that the, the offensive line was allowing, like you, you clean up three or four more of those, it's the same thing where it's like, okay, functional. The running game, you know, if the running game could just get something going, if, if there was, if they could be balanced and, and still expect the running game to kind of pull its, its weight, to hold up its end of the bargain, then that would have been another one where I'd be like, okay, yep, there's, there's functional. So I, you don't need all three of those three. If you have all three of those three, well, then all of a sudden you're saying like, yeah, that was a really good offense. That's an offense that should be in the top half of the Pac-12. But with... None of those three you say, nope, needed one more to be functional. Just need one of those things to happen. And because of that, they're still just that one one gear away. And as soon as they get that one more gear, it just kind of unlocks everything. You know, again, like, talk about those three passes in a row, or non-passes in a row, really. Complete one of those. Well, guess what? You get three more plays because you picked up that first down. And, and that's three more chances to get a big play. You know, it's just unlocking those opportunities for yourself. And and early on, you know, they kind of ground out some first downs. You know, they, they wind, I think they picked up two maybe on the first drive. And you look at it and say like, okay, that's not good. You know, you, you got across the 50. But you got the ball pretty close to the 50. Now, uh, at least you flip the field. You need more next time. Again, like if you can just pick up two more first downs and go kick a field goal, all of a sudden that's a really solid drive. Um, but they're just that one step away. And as soon as they can just stay on the field on these third downs, make these third downs easier. I think there were a lot of second and 12, second and 13, second and 14 um, that, that really made that tough to do. And credit to those guys, they made some plays. But just giving giving yourself more offensive snaps so that you can have more lottery tickets that somebody's going to bust a cover and you're going to get somebody wide open. Or, you know, that you can just keep grinding and, and pick up yardage. You know, it was close. And the defense, you know, safety is still a question mark. Safety is definitely still a question mark. Like, you can't be expecting Jordan Wolverton to be going out there and making those plays. Like, sorry, Jordan, just you got you to gotta prove it first. Um, the corners do look really good. The front seven looks really good. Um, and, and when you have that front seven, you have those corners. I mean, first of all, if the corner is that good, what do you even need the safeties for, right? Because you probably put one in man, you probably wind up doing what you did last year. Isaiah Lewis takes the tight end. Um, and then you have the other one just playing the deep middle of the field. And you'd love for him to be super smart and always in the right place. But if all he's doing is standing back there so that the corners can funnel things to him and then he can go make plays on the ball, like, yeah, that's not the toughest job. And... There's, there's just so many different defenses you can run that as long as you have one or two strengths, you can really cater to the weaknesses of the others. And you still want to be able to keep them honest, and the best thing you could do is just be great everywhere. And In that case, you probably just say, yep, five guys in man coverage, 
rush six, what are they going to do about it? We're going to win. You know, that's the Broncos winning the Super Bowl in 2015 schedule type of type of system. But I think that defense is really, really close to being really good. Um, and I'm excited to see what they can do um, once once they get to play somebody other than the, their own offense. Um, and then again, offensively, there's there's one more step that you have to take. And if you don't take that step, then you're in trouble. The good news is what you get third no 40 40 you get 40 off-season practices right 15 in the spring 25 in the fall so you're through seven of those you have 33 more and over the course of 33 practices I would think that they can at least take that one step and the bigger question to me is probably can they take another step after that can they take two steps after that um so again I think that overall on the day I wouldn't say it was a good day. I wouldn't say it was a bad day. I think I saw some really good things from people I didn't expect to see them from. I saw some rougher things from people who I thought maybe had pulled things together a little bit more. Um, so I think that's the overall takeaway. Pretty average. Pretty average overall, although there were some highs and lows. Um, that's going to do it for today. I uh, I get to go bowling. Let's go. Um, and uh, like I said, I'll be back Monday night. I think... So that'll be that'll be defensive assistant coaches. So we'll be hearing from Gerald Chapman, the defensive line coach. We'll be hearing from Mark Smith, the inside linebackers coach. Uh, we'll be hearing from Brett Maxey, the safeties coach, and then we'll also hear from Rod Chance, the cornerbacks coach. Uh, we won't be hearing from Chris Wilson, but I believe next Monday we'll hear from Chris Wilson and Mike Sanford. Uh, so there we go. There's the plan. We got two more weeks left. I'm excited. Hope you are too. And uh, we'll talk again on Monday. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.